So we saw in our last episode that God determines what masculinity is and we don't. And that having a fear of the Lord and a love of scripture is very important for us to understand how will I pursue him and live life like him as a man that is living out what masculinity is the way scripture defines it, not the way culture does or I do. Now we're going to start seeing what this means in real time and in some real ways. And um, the next chapter of Rise of the Servant King starts off with a story that's a pretty impactful story. It certainly was in my life when I was a police officer in Los Angeles. I was a police officer in a very violent division called 77th Division and also in Rampart Division. And what we had was massive chaos, massive crime and shootings and gunshots. And it was a... Uh, just a chaotic time. Usually I worked from 10 o'clock at night until about seven o'clock in the morning. And so what would happen was we'd have a thing called code seven and code seven was, was lunch basically. And it was 45 minutes where you got to tune out all the chaos and the screaming and the screeching tires and the blood and just have 45 minutes of peace. So my partner and I had gone up to the Denny's at um, Vermont Avenue, right at the Hollywood freeway to uh, grab some food. And one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, something like that, having pancakes when all of a sudden a woman ran into the Denny screaming, there's been a traffic accident. So we hear our little tiny moment of peace has been interrupted by a traffic accident. And so we go walking outside, um, not with the best attitude. And I see a motorcycle crash underneath the truck. And there's a, a, a young man, 19 or 20 years old with no helmet on underneath the tire of the truck and a young woman with a helmet on laying next to the motorcycle and motorcycles mangled. And so call for a, what we call an RA unit, an ambulance, and also call for a traffic unit. So we call for a specialized unit that, that handles traffic accidents. And then we go out and try to manage the chaos until the ambulance and the traffic unit shows up. And as we go out there, we see them both laying there and the young man looks pretty good shape. Actually, as bad as it looked, he was okay, even though he didn't, wasn't wearing a helmet, but he says, man, to me, I was just bringing her, the girl, to Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital because her brother was just in a traffic accident, in a motorcycle accident. And I was bringing her there to see her brother and then this truck pulled in front of us. And so as he says that, I see the girl convulse. And when you've seen it enough times, you know the convulsion of the dying. And she started to convulse more and more and I knew she was about to die. And so I got down on my, I sat down on the street next to her and she put her arms out and wanted me to hold her. And I can tell you right now, never ever move a person in that kind of trauma. Don't pick them up, but I didn't take my own advice. She said, I, I you know, just, just hold me like a child and I knew she was dying. And um, so I picked her head up and I put it in my lap and she had this helmet on and her eyes were glassed over. As you could tell that she's bleeding internally, she was about to bleed out. And um, she looked in my eyes and then wasn't really seeing me. And then she just reached up and grabbed a hold of my badge with her hand and held it tightly for about five seconds and then she died. And I can tell you at that moment, I've watched many, many people die. I've watched really evil people die. I've watched victims of horrific accidents die. There is a moment there where you see the soul leave the body. And if you've ever seen someone die, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Um, but for her, I remember just one moment she was full of life staring in my eyes. The next moment she was gone and I was holding a corpse. And um, I put her down, her head down, and got up just as the two traffic uh, officers and their motorcycles pulled up. And I got up and I said to the man, you guys are gonna believe this, but she was on her way to Hollywood Prez 
to see her brother who was just in a motorcycle accident. And they said, you gotta be kidding me. I said, what? They said, we just came from Hollywood Press handling her brother's accident, he died. And the other officer said, you yeah, know, the parents are on vacation either. These are their only two kids. Those things have an eternal effect on you. And that was 30 years ago, at least when that occurred. Um, but why? Let's think about it. I mean, I know it seems obvious, but why is dying such a huge impact on us? Because dying is as, as much a part of life as anything there is. Everybody dies. So you'd think if we were just a collection of cells, it would be something that we just, just accept, but we don't. Seeing death is a very traumatic thing. Dying ourselves is something that we greatly fear. Why is that? Well, we know because we're Christians and you all who are watching us are pastors or those are you who are tuning in at pray.com or YouTube or whatever are hopefully Christians and understand the eternal truth of all this. But let's dig a little bit deeper as we study masculinity about the fall, because the fall is the thing that makes death so devastating and so hurtful, painful, and scary. What happened at the fall is that evil came to light. Now, people say, did God create evil? No, but when God created freedom of choice, he created the potential for evil because evil is whatever is not God. God is all, he is all life, he is all that is good. The possibility for there to be not God is evil. And wherever there's not God is darkness, coldness, terror, and pain. And so when God gave us freedom of choice, the ability for evil became a reality for human beings. There already was evil because Satan had already rebelled and been cast down to the earth. So one of my favorite writers is Andrew Murray. If you don't know who Andrew Murray is, I strongly encourage you to check him out. He was a pastor in South Africa in the 1800s. I think he was Scottish and went, immigrated down there. And he wrote some unbelievable books. And in one of the books, he talks about the difference between soul, flesh, and spirit. So mankind was created very specifically in a different way in that he had flesh and that flesh interacted with the outer world, the material world that he knew. And then he had spirit, the spirit aligned with the way things actually are, the spirit world where God is. And he has a soul, a freedom of choice. And that soul had to interact one with the other. Well, when we fell in the garden, that soul became a slave of the flesh rather than the flesh being submitted to the soul. Now the soul is, is always attracted to the flesh. Why? Because the, the fall had some very specific consequences based on the origin of that sin. The first thing we see is that we chose knowledge over life. So Satan, the great liar, and we're going to talk a lot about Satan in some of this. Satan, the great liar comes to Eve and says, God said, you have a choice. You can choose the, the tree of life or the true tree of knowledge. Which one will you choose? And Eve says, well, we're supposed to choose the, the life one. And the devil says, no, I, I think you should choose knowledge. Now, what's important here is that Eve was never told by God that we know of not to choose between life or knowledge. Only Adam was. And Adam was told to instruct his wife, which he clearly has because Eve gives it to the devil, only with a little bit more. She says, don't even touch it, which wasn't said. But given the choice, she chose knowledge over life. And this is an important thing for us this is why it's so important that we walk in faith because faith is moving forward and trusting God without knowledge. And so it's, it's very difficult for us. That's why faith is so important and so hard for us. And really the crux of all the life of growing in Christ, because we now have to choose life over knowledge, which is counter to our nature. 
So we see that we chose to know rather than to live. And we still do that today, don't we? We, we actually rush for security, safety, uh, money. Um, I want to know before I go. In reality, in order to be successful in life, you got to go before you know. So that was the crux of the fall was choosing knowledge over life. There were some certain consequences that came from that. We as males, Adam, we chose passivity over being proactive because we know that Adam was sitting there when he, when he was being lied to. And what was he doing? Well, according to the, the passage, nothing. So he's watching Eve make this decision. He's not stepping in in his God-given role as the leader of the family and saying, rebuking that snake and helping his wife to make the right decision. Instead, he's watching. Let's see what happens to the woman, so then I'll know. And he sees her eat the fruit and goes, oh, I didn't see any consequences. Now he follows his wife. So we see the second part of the fall was the man was passive, not proactive, and he ended up following his wife instead of leading his wife. Now, we're not here to say anybody was more at fault than others. We're simply talking about what scripture says. That in the fall, Eve and, and Adam both chose knowledge over life. And Adam sat there and let her go first to see what the consequences would be. Third, we chose cowardice over courage. It would have been a great and courageous thing for Adam to have stepped up to that serpent and said, well, hold on and protected his wife. Instead, what did he do? He chose cowardice. He chose to watch, wait and see what the consequences were. And when he thought the coast was clear, then he went after it. So we have choosing knowledge over life. We have, we have choosing passivity over proactivity and we have choosing cowardice over courage. What's the last thing we saw from that? We chose blame over accountability. What happens after they sin? Now suddenly they're filled with guilt and shame. A brand new emotion for them. They run and they hide from God. And when God comes along and says, Adam, what happened? God's, Adam says, God, the woman you gave me did it. So what happened? It was the woman's fault and your fault. If you hadn't made that woman, I'm just a victim, Lord. What did I ever do? So we see now the fall of masculinity right at the very beginning of creation. The, the accountability is at the core of being a man. Blame is at the, the heart of getting away from masculinity. It's acting like a child in a bad way. So we see that after all that fall, immediately we see Adam wanting to blame his wife and blame God for what is his responsibility. That is the fall in its crux. So we see that evil now was born because it was not God. God didn't create evil, but by giving us a free choice, we chose to chase after what I know rather than trusting in God. And the consequences of that were passivity, cowardice, and a lack of accountability, blaming others for what I am responsible for. So then God curses mankind. Now, God is not punishing mankind. God is pronouncing the consequences of sin. It's a very big difference there. And God is saying, now that you've done this, this is what's going to occur. This is the natural outcome of your bad choice. And of all those things that we see there, we see that People want to react to the other gender. So now one of the things he's saying is that women will now try to control men, dominate men. And as a result of that, men are going to be tyrannical to their wives. So we understand now that leadership, true leadership is creating the space for those who follow us to make their own choices. A great leader creates a place for people to choose to follow him. A tyrannical leader wants to reduce choice and control people. 
we see as men at the heart and core of masculinity is allowing others, not only allowing them to make a choice, but actually sacrificing self to create the opportunity for them to make choice. We'll get into marriage and, and rearing kids later, but as a core of this beginning, as we get started with all this, we as leaders want to do whatever we can to give as many choices as possible to those who follow us. And if we're good leaders, they're going to choose to follow us. What bad leaders do is make up rules and tyranny to control others and say, you must follow me. There's never a time when you as a man should say, I'm the man or I'm the husband and you need to submit. That should never, ever be something that comes from our lips. We teach God's word, we create opportunity, we love, we're accountable, we refuse to blame others, we're proactive, not passive. These are the things that, very, that shoot right at the heart of who Satan is and what the fall is when we do those things. And we do all those things so that people can say, I want to follow that man. And it may be to, to your level of leadership, you may end up being president of the United States, or you may end up being a great dad and hopefully maybe beyond being a dad you're blessing the community around you and as a leader but we never ever control others we create the space for people to make the choice to follow us or not and following us as godly men is only to one place towards the nature of jesus christ that's who we point to thank you for this i look forward to seeing you on the next episode